Okay. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? Welcome to another episode of Comedians Exposed. I'm your host, Deanna Kobe. This is the podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability. Today's guest is absolutely a lovely person as well as a hysterical comedian. They've performed at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. They're the other half of Gail and Angela. Please welcome the hilarious Kate Nichols to Comedians Exposed. Welcome, Kate. Hello, Deanna. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I want to welcome you. I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, there's a lot. I literally have a list of questions that I want to dive into. You have been someone I've really admired and watched in comedy. Um, and Kate, again, for people who've seen Kate perform or if you haven't seen her perform, you're just so endearing on stage. You know, yeah, you're like, I want that girl to be my friend. I want to sit down and have a cup of tea with her. And it's just, you just have this way of like telling things like they are, but just really making it like, it's okay though. It's, you know, <laughs> so thank you again for being my guest today. Can you do me a favor though, before we get started, just let everybody know where they could find you on social media. Sure, of course. I am on Instagram. Um, at Hey Kate Nichols. Um, that's the main one. Yeah, that's about it in terms of social media for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So you only use just basically Instagram? Yeah. I, I check in on Facebook every now and then for like some family and networking related stuff, but I don't post much there. So it wouldn't make much sense to follow me. Do you find a difference in the worlds of social media? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Instagram is a lot clearer um, compared to Facebook. Facebook, there's just a lot going on. Um, and yeah, uh, I like Instagram cuts right to the chase. You know, this is a video. This is a picture. These are the words. <laughs> the one thing though I get a little nervous with Instagram is they only offer a like feature whereas Facebook has a like a wider variety because sometimes people post things and I want to be supportive but I don't necessarily like want to like that you know like someone like will post like my grandma died and I'm like I like it you know and I feel uncomfortable so I don't social media is weird it causes too much anxiety for me what about for you do you Get any anxiety from social media? Yeah, definitely. That's part of the reason that I do keep it down to mostly just Instagram and not being on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and trying to do the other stuff too. Um, it does give me anxiety in terms of, you know, what you're putting out there. I get weirdly anxious. I don't know if it's that weird about people knowing where I am. So like posting flyers for comedy shows or like things like that. Um, I'm like, I don't know, you know, anybody could see this. My accounts are public and like, who knows if someone just some, somebody with poor intentions decides they want to show up and cause me harm. So every now and then, <laughs> um, aside from the anxiety around the way people fight on social media, um, I think people just get so vicious and they misunderstand each other and it is just not a good vehicle for conflict for communication in that way. I just don't think so. And so, um, 
every now and then I'll drop into like the local, you know, whatever groups um, where I live, like our town has one just to see people going at it in the comments. Um, Cause she gets wild, right? People get so out of hand on the internet. Over what? That's my question. Like I don't, like people argue like over sidewalks, like in, like the town I was living in, they didn't like put down cement on a walkway. It was like a path and it was like, what is this causing conflict for? Like, I don't understand why people are so worked up. Oh, people just want to be heard, Deanna. You know, they just, they want their voice to be heard so bad and yeah. they put it out there and they want other people to like their post and comment and reaffirm them and, oh, or, you know, they want somebody to fight with and, and they can't fight who they actually want to fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, somebody posts, uh, a car came zooming around the street and almost hit my daughter and her friends on their way to school. Like, er, <laughs> yeah, that's so upsetting. Oh my God, that's terrifying, right? But like, what did this post do? Did you bring awareness to cars driving fast? Like, you know, they, you're not gonna catch them. You know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know, man. What's your, like, I feel like, again, it's like a lot of things are like with shouting into the universe. It's kind of like, what's the end game? Because sometimes it's like that with comedy. Like I definitely, talk to a lot of comedians and it's like wanting to be heard is a very common reason for doing comedy. What about for you? What got you into it? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think wanting to be heard, wanting my voice out there, wanting to connect with other people through story, like through things that we relate on. And I was raised in a family where humor was definitely a primary language. Um, we're like pretty much mostly Irish background um, and telling stories and making each other laugh and kind of like, you know, digging at each other and um, being passive aggressive as well was a big part of how we communicated. Um, and I like the use of humor to explore our experiences, like whether that's your experience personally or general experiences around being human or being part of different groups. Um, humor can be a way in to discuss things that are hard to talk about too. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really like that. And yeah, in terms of what you were saying about your voice being heard, um, when I first started out and I was going to shows, I'd hear these voices a lot, a lot of, I saw a lot of um, like middle-aged men talking about how much they hate their wives. And like, this is funny. And it was like, you don't have to be married though, you know, get out of there, bud. And uh, if you're so unhappy. Um, and I, I wanted to put a, a voice out there that was different. Like what it, what it's like to be a woman, what it's like to be a young person. Um, I love that about comedy you know, seeing all kinds of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's wonderful. I feel like it's, especially to like age demographics, like so many so you hit everything with comedy, you hit all different areas and walks of life and types of people. And it's like the common denominator is like, we are wanting to make people laugh or wanting to be heard or both. Um, and, you know, especially to, I think, because the first time I remember seeing you perform, 
and it was at Scotty's and you did a show there and you did a joke about your mom's passing Mm -hmm. and it was so, it was a hilarious joke about something again, that was just like, Oh, this here you are talking about your mom passing, which is a really sad and painful experience for people to go through. And I just remember you kind of like knocking the bench over on stage and everything. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my, like I really was like in awe of you doing that because to me, like again, it's like, wow, that's something that is so painful that you're willing to not only share with everyone because people can relate to that. Losing a parent is something everyone experiences at some point or another. So you're willing to not only share it, but create something funny out of that. So how was that for you um, deciding to kind of, what what made you decide to want to tackle that topic? Yeah. Um... Again, I think using comedy to process painful things. Like when my mom died, we were, you know, laughing within a few hours, like within my family, like finding ways to make each other laugh or like telling stories. Uh, And my mom loved that. She had a dark sense of humor. So I actually told that joke to my aunts, my mom's sisters, before I ever like did it on stage. And it made them laugh so hard like that was it I was like this is gold like because it yeah it takes something so painful and so horrible and it gives you um a relief from the pressure of like how heavy that is to be able to like look at it from a certain angle in a certain context and go hold on but that part is like kind of funny like this could be funny Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, definitely. It definitely um, takes, I think, like, like how you said, takes the pressure off. And like other people, again, um, have talked about how it helps like them reclaim the narrative and everything. So, but it's also challenging because you're dealing with, again, with comedy. Comedy is not just something that you're doing inside a bubble. You need an audience. And when you start dabbling in these areas, you know, it's... um. It becomes really, you have to move, I feel like, in my perspective, I feel like I try to move very carefully. Mm -hmm. Um, What about yourself? Do you feel like you just kind of jump right in or with like when you're writing these jokes about these topics or is it really slow process? And is it something for you that you're uncomfortable with at first? So does it prolong the joke writing process? Mm, I think that is a tough balance. Um, I really love to have fun. Like when I'm trying to write new jokes, I, I love to go on stage and kind of have like a very loose idea or a loose concept and talk to the people and see what happens. Um, Cause that's how I've, I've come up with a lot of my jokes is like hanging out with my family and my friends. Like we find, you know, there's a little nugget of something. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's good. And then you can write it and work it and make it into something bigger. So, um, but in terms of like moving carefully, uh, yeah, I would say that I do because I want to be careful about what the message is of a joke. Cause there's a tendency. And if you, you know, are, are a funny person, a skill to find the funny in something, but 
I try to be careful about what the message is behind that. Why is that funny? And does whatever makes that funny, like, does it go against what I really believe as a person or my values? Cause sometimes like I've, I've said things that I'm like, Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. I don't really believe that, but I just, it was a funny sentence or, you know, like it was something funny. So I try to find the balance between letting myself really just have fun on stage, but also trying to stay true to who I am. Mm -hmm. The more I've done comedy, the more I found my voice, the easier that's become. Um, Yeah. So do you think that you're more yourself on stage in terms of, as opposed to getting a character, like when you're performing as Kate Nichols, are you really kind of like giving your more authentic self to the audience? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes when I'm on stage, like it feels like I let my brain off the leash. Like I just let myself free associate and be myself and have fun for real. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that ever make you nervous or do you ever feel uncomfortable? Um, I mean, I get nervous, but in like a good way, Mm -hmm. I, it it always feels good to me when I'm Mm -hmm. nervous like before a show or during a show or something. Um, it's excitement, you know, and the nervousness is around me wanting to do well and wanting things to go well, you know, um, and wanting things to connect. Um, but it doesn't go to the extreme where it's like, if this doesn't go well, ah, that's going to be the worst thing in the world. It's like, you get very comfortable with the experience of things not working out all the time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've, done jokes or told stories before that I thought I was ready to tell and I realized by trying them out that I wasn't ready yet yeah yeah what was like can you give an example of something yeah well I've been doing comedy for six years now and I started out doing improv seven years ago stand up for six years and my mom died six I think it'll be seven years this year, seven years ago. And a few years after it happened, I was trying to do this story and find more jokes in it. Mm -hmm. And I remember like coming off stage and being super just like shut down. Like I felt really out of it. Um, I was having a hard time like connecting to my body. And I realized like, oh, you're not ready to like go all the way there yet. Um, it's different doing that in front of an audience than it is around your friends and your family and your people who really know you mm-hmm. so beyond the uh, fuck chairs joke. I, and I have like a story I tell about my mom. And again, now that it's been seven years, I'm doing it more and I feel a lot more confident in it and comfortable mm-hmm. with it. But I think I, I tried, I don't want to say too early because that's how I discovered that it was too soon was by trying it, you know, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a point where I was like working through some of the stories about my mom and I realized that I needed to work on that a little bit more for me before I was ready to like mm-hmm. get into it with other people. Why do you think too, because you said specifically how it's like, there is a difference between talking about it with friends and family versus just an audience. So what is the, the reasoning that there, that difference exists? Well, I think it's um, like safety you know, with friends and family, people I choose to share things with, Mm -hmm. I feel safe with. And part of what makes doing comedy fun is kind of not knowing what could happen. 
Um, but when you're putting your most vulnerable things out there, maybe there are some things where it's like, oh, I'm not safe enough in myself yet to like do that with people who could have um, feedback <laughs> for me or not get it or yeah, it was, yeah. With that one, it, it was less about how the audience responded because that was fine. It was just about what it did to me to like put it out there in mm -hmm. this way. Something just something just hadn't like quite healed or clicked yet. To yeah. So you brought up the keyword vulnerability. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should like the title in the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because for me, I think comedy for me, I feel really vulnerable doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like it, it took a long time for me to do. It was like really rooted in fear. There was a lot, like again, like you talked about the idea of safety and like all of these things that exist, you know. Um but by willing to kind of embrace all of those things, those uncomfortabilities, you know, and leave myself exposed, then it's like I took the plunge, started doing comedy, and all this other wonderful stuff kind of opened up, you know, internally. So I always love to talk with other comedians about, you know, again, their experiences and whether or not comedy is something that is a vulnerable place for them if they live, you know, in vulnerability if that's something you seek out. So what about you, Miss Kate Nichols? What's vulnerability? What does that mean for you? Vulnerability means, hmm. Vulnerability is allowing yourself to be uncomfortable. I think in comedy, why we connect to it so much is because when we're vulnerable with each other and we are received, we feel the most connection we can feel. But if you're received well by somebody and you're guarded, it feels nice, it feels good, but it doesn't feel 100% because they don't know everything. So I think that is the potency and vulnerability mm -hmm. is you can have like some of the deepest connections. That's why I love making the dead mom jokes because the way people relate to that when they feel it, when they get it, oof, it's really special, mm -hmm. you know? Like, don't get me wrong. I love absurd humor. I love wordplay. I love a dumb pun so much. <laughs> but what really turns me on is like when somebody gets super vulnerable and like you just, you get it, you connect with them. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. Like I said, when I saw you perform um, and like, I, it was just, it was really raw, like emotion. And like I said, it was just because it was like, I don't know. You just kind of like, I felt like had people just really open up. You know what I mean? Like I, there was a palpable energy with you on stage, you know? And like I said, I can very vividly remember seeing you. And like, I was so excited then a few years later to be able to do milk crate comedy with you. Oh yeah. 
Oh my God. Yes. That was, that was super terrifying. And also I was like very much a place of feeling vulnerable. I almost canceled that morning, but I was so excited. Like I said, to be like, oh my gosh, it was all these, you know, big dogs. I was like, Ooh, how about for you? What was milk crate like for you? Oh my God. So bizarre in the most wonderful way. Um, yeah. Like doing a show like that should we talk about it so people I I know that's exactly what I was just thinking you guys uh Milk Crate Scott Holt who's been a guest does Milk Crate comedy and it's basically where he has a stage made out of milk crates and a banana and we just you know he sets up shops all over we were at uh the by the um charging bull down at the down on Wall Street yeah Mm -hmm. The, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was, and I remember it was April, it was like a little chilly and there was quite a few people out uh, waiting to take a picture with the bull and uh, <laughs> it was just like, okay, here we are. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> insanely vulnerable, right? To be in the middle of a street, in New York City, yelling jokes at people. But also paradoxically like, less vulnerable in a way than telling jokes on a stage in a comedy club where everyone is looking at you and listening to you like I think that's like the paradox of New York right like you can be completely unseen but surrounded by millions of people and so once you just like jump into that like dive in like into you know an icy bath of water (laughs) let it be like the craziness that it is Mm -hmm. um yeah. And doing that with Scott Holt too, he has like that brand of wild and crazy that you're like, oh, nobody can hurt us because nobody's crazier than Scott. <laughs> like if somebody tries to do something like weird, you know, yeah. like nothing bad. Is no, Scott's the weirdo. Like you can't yeah. weird the weirdo. No. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. He is. He's, I love Scott Holt so much. And I love how, again, he, he just totally is like balls to the wall. And it's like, I have this idea. I'm going to run with it. And he, I feel like he definitely lives with gusto. And I love doing that day so much because like I said, but it was terrifying. It was like, but I feel like, again, it goes back to this idea of like, if you push through the vulnerability outcomes, something so much better. And I definitely feel like after that experience, I was like, all right, well, I really don't give a fuck anymore. You know, like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I remember you that day. You were great. I mean, you were, (laughs) you were loud, you were confident, you were bold. It was just like I said, it was a very fun, very memorable day of comedy. And that's what like I love so much like about doing comedy is like not so much. It's just like this, the the willingness to be present in these experiences and like present in the moment and who's in the room with you. And I that is so amazing, right? To be able to cultivate this level of presence and awareness. It's such a gift and it's such an additional gift from, you know, comedy. So what about for you? What about doing comedy? Do you feel that comedy has brought you other gifts in your life or other benefits? Oh, for sure. Um, first of all, I've made so many wonderful friends doing comedy um, and continue to meet new people all the time. Um, 
fellow weirdos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what other gifts has comedy brought me? I mean, yeah, figuring out how to get my points across in a way that a room of people can relate to. Um, it's given me so much fun. Um, the adrenaline rush, you you feel just so alive. I mean, some days you're exhausted and it's terrible, but um, yeah, it gives me so much to look forward to on a regular basis. And the process of continuing to develop and grow and learn more, even if you're telling the same jokes, you're if you, if you want to, if you're making it your intention to, you're always learning more and more about yourself, about other people. I love that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, like, again, if it's something that you're willing to be open to. I don't know if all comedians are open to that, you know? I mean, I hear a lot. Some comedians, again, are very focused, and I've talked about this on having, like, their end game. Like, they're, like, not going to deem themselves a comedian until X, Y, or Z happens. Um, do you have any things like that for yourself with doing comedy? Do you have any clear end games that you're looking for? Um, I love the process so much. Like, I just love the process of doing it. I love being present in the room. I have my material, my stories, my jokes, but I love crowd work because I just mm-hmm. really like to get in there with people and have fun. Um, but my end game is really to share my story, like to, I think that when we are willing to be vulnerable and we are vulnerable, when we're being our, our truest selves, being true to who we are and not trying to shape shift to kind of fit in, I think we feel the most connected to each other. And so my goal is to just be a person who's doing that so that other people can see that they can do that. You know, all these people who we all do, right? Like we do things that we don't want to do all the time. And yeah. I think being your biggest, boldest self is just an example mm-hmm. that maybe shows someone like, Oh, you can do it. Oh, you can say that. Oh, you can be yourself. Um, and in terms of like, that's my like big flowery vague goal, but like in terms of something more specific, yeah, something like a one woman show, you know, like not something that you might call like a straight stand up hour or like a, a 30 minutes on Comedy Central or Netflix, but mm-hmm. a little bit more of the like Mike Birbiglia esque, like Chris Gethard, Maria Bamford, kind of like these storyteller people. And there's, you know, you walk away with it like a feeling. Um, like there was a thesis, you know, like a, a something that you took away from it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I see myself headed. That's awesome. I wanted to ask too, because um, particularly too, you also do, again, you're part of Gail and Angela. Oh yeah. So, do you, and we had Angelique on the show, so I got to talk with her. She's wonderful. And everybody, please, please, please go to Instagram, watch Gail and Angela. You all are. <laughs> yeah, our, our account is, um, Gail underscore and underscore Angela. Um, but it's also in my bio. Like you can find it linked to my page, but if you want to find us there, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Please, the, those videos that you guys did during the pandemic made me laugh so much. I was, you know, it was so fun. And um, I wanted to talk about what it's like 
because you do obviously stand up and then you also do this character as part of a duo. So what is that like? How is that? Um, what are the noticeable differences? I mean, the characters are just so much fun. Um, Angelique and I met in an improv class together and we were in an improv group together and um we base these characters off of the people in our lives. I'm from New York, Long Island, New Jersey, kind of like back and forth all over the place. And a lot of like Long Island family. We're actually, as I said, like Irish by background, but you're very like Italian and Jewish adjacent, kind of like no matter where you are in, or I guess not no matter where you are, but in the parts of New York, New Jersey that I'm from. Um, and uh, yeah, Angelique is from uh, Essex County, uh, Italian, and we created these characters as a love song to our like aunts <laughs> and parents and these people in our lives. Um, and we just have so much fun doing it, um, just like pretending to be these people and making each other laugh. Like we, you know, I'm so glad that people relate to it and find it funny. But me and Angelique do this alone by ourselves. Like, we, we do it to make each other laugh. We have so much fun. Um, and like I said, like, I really do love heartfelt shit. I can be earnest as fuck, right? Like, but I also just love being absurd and silly so, so, so much. So It's so fun. I feel like at least... For, I love how, again, it's just like you said, you and Angelique just do it on your own. It's like, that's what I feel like so much of the best comedy, at least for me, is like, whatever the weird shit that I do by myself in the house or with my friends or, with, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what I'm wanting to translate to. Like, and it's like, that's, I feel like a level of huge vulnerability. Cause it's like, like you said, like we talked about earlier, like, you know, you're, that level of trust that you have, that safety with friends, you know what I mean? So it's like to pull that completely off and then not necessarily be received. It's, ooh, you know, which brings us to bombs. How do you, uh, how do you deal with bombing? When it, I know it doesn't happen a lot, Kate. Okay. So, cause you're a doll. You, nobody cannot not love Kate. <laughs> um, but I've, you know, been there um <laughs> I got to the point where I learned to love it you know it's like ah oh, this is a learning experience you know I'm <laughs> out. you know the milk crate comedy shows you're screaming out to people on the street nobody's listening to you if they are it's probably not good like they're only listening to you because they you know want to do something bad to you <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just learn to embrace it and it's such a reminder that like life is full of mistakes and bad things happen and you survive don't you you know yeah. like you just keep going um bombing with friends I find to be much better than bombing on a show where I don't know any of the other comics um I can't think of a specific time that like that's happened but um I can think of plenty of times where I've been with friends and there's a lot of support and love in it, you know, like, especially if everybody's bombing and it's like, what's going on? But yeah, yeah, it's a part of it. Yeah. It's just a reminder that, yeah, we, we're not perfect. <laughs> we make mistakes, things go wrong. 
you don't always connect with everybody and that's okay you know like i i think i've i say this during bonds i'm like you know what i'm not right for you guys that's okay like thank you so much for letting me be here maybe we're just not right for each other and that's all you know that's all right <laughs> it's you know it's true but it's also too like i like the bombs sometimes more like I feel like I remember bombs much more than when I did ever well you know like I can remember people's faces burned in my heads and things like that but it's like for me it's like I like the bomb because then it's like it goes back to that idea of really being heard like I you know because sometimes I get very angry on stage I can be a very angry person and I say things that I think make other people angry. So it's kind of like, yeah, er, you know what I mean? Like this power, it's a powerful feeling. You know, I try to wield it very carefully. But uh, what about for you? Do you feel that um, with doing comedy, do you ever go through phases where you're just like completely like, I want this solely for me? And I'm going to just do it for me. And you don't think about the audience and whether or not they're, you know, like I'm asking like, again, in terms of shifts, like you ever go through like emotional shifts in terms of like how you're performing, like, again, like performing from a place of anger, performing from, or do you kind of have a consistent headspace that you get into? I think lately I've had a consistent headspace. Um, I lean more towards wanting my performances to be a mutually beneficial experience for me and the audience. Um, I feel more comfortable in that. Um, I have had experiences where I know what I'm doing is more for me, um, but it's not often in an angry way it'll be more like I really want to work through this joke and even though I know it might not be the best fit for this crowd I'm I'm gonna go for it yeah um, but not not really from an angry place when I started out I think I was angrier I do still get angry but I think I was more reactive um because being newer to doing comedy and probably a little bit more defensive but there was a lot of um, like misogynistic and chauvinistic stuff that I felt like I always had to respond to. You know, I had to get my voice out there. I had to call out these comics for the shit that they would say. Um, but I didn't like that because I felt like my voice was being hijacked by responding to other people's bullshit. Mm -hmm. People go on Facebook and get angry and respond to comments. And it's like, that is not my voice like that's not what I set out to do that's not who I that's not what I came here to say you know now I'm just stuck in this place of anger and calling things out which I do think is important and there's a place for but it was like it was happening more and more where I was getting frustrated mm -hmm. it's like I just want to have fun and tell my jokes and make sense of my stories but I'm spending more time responding to things that have upset me that I feel like I need to call out because I need to prove, you know, my point or like give a voice to the female audience. Um, yeah. It's a lot of pressure too. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, cause like there's so many things that are wrong with the world and it's like, 
you, you can't take on everything. And if you're going to try to, like, fine, but it's hard. And like, I like how you said, you know, it distorted what you're, what you wanted your voice to be, you know, because now you're just re- responding. Mm-hmm. So what about writing jokes? Um, what does your joke writing process look like? So I, again, I pull a lot of my inspiration from hanging out with people in my life, family, friends, hanging out with comics, whatever, um, and stumbling into something funny. And mm-hmm. if there's like a nugget of something, I write it down mm-hmm. and then I take that to the stage and work on it. And again, with like kind of a loose concept or a loose idea, when it comes to like tags, I'm, you know, writing those, like you, you got to get the words right for that. But for like the jokes themselves, like kind of their origins, it's more based in like interaction for me, as opposed to like sitting down and thinking of something and writing it. Yeah. Get it from, I mean, maybe that's like an extroversion thing, but I get it from the energy of other people. Like yeah. Them and my brain wanting to make them laugh. But if I'm sitting by myself, it's harder for me, for sure. Yeah. Like I'm not a, a sit down with a notebook coming up with things writer. It's like when I'm driving or walking or with friends, I have an idea. I get that idea down mm-hmm. and then I take that somewhere like with people to a stage to work on it. And yeah. then it gets to become a joke. So do you consider yourself an extrovert? I, I don't know. I think so. I was doing some personality test stuff recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, I've been labeled as extroverted, but I also really need a lot of alone time. Yeah, uh, it's very valuable to me. It's very important. And I do get drained very quickly. Um, so whatever the mix is, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I feed off of the energy of other people. A lot. Yeah. I think that's part of being extroverted is that you get your energy from other people mm-hmm. being introverted is like being around other people drains you. So I probably have some like extremes <laughs> where I get a lot of, I get like a burst out of it and then I, I'm like okay I gotta go away now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's probably too like you said you enjoyed crowd work right so maybe oh, part of that you know what I mean because you're feeding off the energy and stuff like that yeah oh wow I mean, saying that I'm an introvert doesn't feel right so I guess like the <laughs> I think everything is on a spectrum when it comes to human experience and you know I probably fall somewhere within yeah Absolutely. Everything is a percentage of something like everything. And, you know, it's like, nothing is just like, yes or no. It's like 67% or 33%, you know, it's like makes so much more sense that way. I think it's situational too. Like it depends on what kind of situation you're in, what the circumstances are as well. Yeah. Like if you're living through a global pandemic, perhaps, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) you know, that could affect things just a touch. So, um, what about for you, like during the pandemic, what were some things that you did to kind of, I know, like, again, I really enjoyed your Gail and Angela videos. So was that something you kind of did during the pandemic or what other things did you do to kind of help keep your creativity, your comedic creativity going while comedy was kind of like in hiatus? Yeah, it was hard for sure. Um, the videos that me and Angelique did were super fun, very helpful. It felt great to be doing something again because we did those 
in like the spring of 2020. Um, and we did those videos before I got back on stage, which was like in the summer of 2020. Um, but to be honest, I was not focused on keeping my creative juices going as a priority. Like I knew comedy would be there. I knew I would still be funny. Um, but I was more focused on like, how do I take care of myself to get through this right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of the pandemic was very hard for me. I think having to do with like losing people in my life before, um, it freaked me out. It scared the shit out of me. Um, so I was a lot more focused on like l- taking care of myself and leveling out than mm-hmm. I was, you know, like, how am I going to write jokes? <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. I got to get out of this acute ex- okay. stress experience before. Yeah. Doing that. Interesting. Cause sometimes I know some comedians I have talked with, it's kind of different, like their coping mechanism in terms of high stress is very much joke, joke, joke writing. And they're constantly like turning material out, you know what I mean? And like periods of heightened chronic stress. So it's interesting, like for you, it sounds like it's like you're, it's your space, like comedy comes from more so of a space when you feel kind of like, like in control or calm you know, then you could kind of tap into your, or. Yeah, it's part of how I do get myself to feel better. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying about those people. Um, but I try not to, because this was my default for a long time to use comedy as my primary coping mechanism. Mm. Um, I think there's a difference between using humor to help you process things and to Mm -hmm. connect with other people and using humor to avoid processing those things or going there. Mm. So I try to stay very conscious about staying, you know, within the realm of, like I said, trying to be authentic with myself about what I'm thinking and feeling Mm -hmm. and not trying to just push away the tough stuff to get to the funny stuff. Yeah. La la la, nothing to see here, you know, joke, joke, joke. Because I did that for a long time. Yeah. Um, and while it, yeah, it, it can help you to get through for sure. It can help you to survive, absolutely. Um, but if I really want to make it through in a way where I'm also attending to the tough stuff, yeah, I got to find the balance. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and again, after that first few months, like once we made it to the spring and the summer, it became a lot easier. And I was, the crazy thing was having done comedy for six years and never having it taken a break before. And then to be out for a few months and like coming back doing like these weird outdoor summer shows and spring shows. And it was like, I don't know my jokes. Like it was so hard, so hard. And, oh, it felt awful, you know, but you had to push through it because the only way to feel better about it again was to get that rust off. Yes. It was so, so humbling to go from, you know, wherever I was comedically and like feeling confident and doing my stuff. And then to come back after a few months and like, yeah, trying to like remember my jokes and yep. my order. Like it was all secondhand at that. It was second nature at that point. And it was so easy. And coming back in, I'm a little nervous about that now because I slowed down for the Omicron thing and uh haven't been on stage in a little while 
And I, I know, like, all right, you did it last year. You're going to have to do it again. You just got to get out so there. So hard. So yeah. hard. I did a show, yeah, just fairly recently. Because, again, yeah, I was in the house for the last, like, six weeks. So I was like, okay. And it was like, hello, everyone. I am. You know, I was like, oh. I I'm just trying to get booked on, like, the worst shows possible for February. <laughs> Oh my god. If you put me on your show, please do not think that that means that your show is <laughs> yeah, put me on your weird like bar show that nobody no. comes to. Like yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's like oh there's two audience members. I'll take it. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. It's it was hard and it's like I mean, and especially too, like, you know, yeah, getting back into the thing. It's for me, at least, it's not like instantaneous. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to need quite a few times up before I start to feel like I have like a rhythm again, you know? Yeah. Oh, and my endurance is so down. Like, from the regular winter stretch of things, it's darker. We get tired easier. We yeah. have less energy to begin with. Yep. But it definitely took time to build up the stamina. Mm-hmm to go out and do shows, you know, yeah. four or five nights a week. Um, so get it. I know that getting that back, like that was something that took a little adjusting last year and it's going to take some. Oh, time. that is, I can't like, I've been, cause I'm an introvert to begin with. And then after like isolating, cause I isolated by myself. Mm-hmm. So like having all of this time, I'm like, you really have to you got to build it back up yeah <laughs> i think i need to start doing cocaine <laughs> <laughs> that is one way maybe no, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding people listen to your body and, attend you, yeah. and go at a pace that feels right for you that is another way that is just another way i like that way i think that way is much more agreeable for my survival <laughs> yes Oh my gosh, Kate. Well, I want to say I really have loved uh, talking with you. You've been so open and again, just so lovely. And I really do like, again, enjoying your comedy because you are, you exude um, on stage that idea of openness. Like here is my pain that I've turned into beauty and you share that with everybody. So I really thank you for doing that comedically. Can you, again, one more time, just tell everybody again, your social media handle. Also, if you've got anything that you want to plug or any shows coming up or anything else that you want to share out about. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much too, for having me and for saying that about your impression of my stuff. It really means a lot. Um, And it's, it's a hard balance to find um, between being open and being yourself and being funny um, and having a good time. And it means a lot to hear that like that comes off um, because that definitely is what I want my comedy to be. So to hear that that's how it is being received means means so much. Um, Yeah, and I love what you're doing here talking with comedians about being vulnerable. I think comedians are um, in general more sensitive types we feel bigger we feel deeper we feel harder that's what makes us funny is we're so (laughs) observational we're so in touch with you know that and uh i love what you're doing here so thanks again thank you again for again being a guest um and you're you're at kate nichols right on instagram um hey kate nichols oh hey kate nichols i'm so sorry yeah that's okay h-e-y-k-a-t-e 
N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Great. That's me. And, um, and at Gail underscore and Angela, at Gail underscore and underscore Angela. Um, and in terms of stuff I have coming up, I am at the West Side Comedy Club on Saturday. Um, I'm doing Ryan Rummel's show in Jersey City on February 11th, uh, Comedy Concourse. Okay. And let's see. The Journal Square Lounge. That's yeah, the February 11th show, guys. If you want to see Kate, she'll be at Journal Square Lounge in Jersey City. Cool. Thank you, Deanna. Do you want to be my manager? I will be your manager. I would love to manage you. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Thank you. My Google Calendar. I have to put shows in and like, you know, I have to put the whoever's name it is who booked me because what I'm going to do is go through my messages and find the message. So I like, you know, I try to put the address and the time and all that, but it's, it's hard, man. Can you it's, all there's two, there's a lot that goes on to comedy. And like, that's why it's like, you know, people, my friends and stuff, they'll see me and they're like expecting like, you know, professional comedy. It's like, that takes years. You know what I mean? Like you have like five minutes of practice time and all this other work that goes into it. It's yeah. like, by the time I tell a decent joke, I'll be 70. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> You've already told plenty of decent jokes. Oh. <laughs> you're a, that is why you're a sweetheart. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. Again, thank you so much for taking your time to thank talk you. with me about this. I really appreciate it. Um, I think again, I really enjoy your comedy and I thank you so much for being a guest today on Comedians Exposed. Thank you, Deanna. You're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> <sighs>